when you speak up to tell your story, watch how the world quiets around you. How it might lay down its spears, put down its books, and listen to what you have to say. Come. Tell me where you come from. Tell me what your grandmother's house smells like. Tell me the transmission that came through your neighbor's secret radio. What the widower's last meal will be. How many horses came over the burning ridge? Tell me how many soldiers were shot down with arrows and how many continued forward. Tell me what they found inside the buried chest on the other side of the Pacific when they landed on Jupiter's moon. Did they kiss after or before the fireworks? What did he place inside his father's casket? What was the first bird that spoke actual words to her? Tell me what the thunder that crashes inside of her sounds like. Tell me how soft is the hair of your lover. Let me tell you the name of the city that I was born in. And you in turn can tell me the shape of your childhood. Share with me the names of the imaginary friends you might have had. I've traveled a long, long way to find a seat beside this fire. And I would love to hear a story as I warm my hands. As a little kid, I would lie on the floor of my home and watch this show called Commander Mark Secret City, where this guy in a spacesuit would teach you to draw, how to build worlds with strange creatures and elaborate towers and architecture. And I loved to create, drawing my drawings everywhere. I would plaster my sketchbooks, my school books, the walls of my home, the inside of my parents' car. These doodles would show up everywhere. But somewhere along the way, and I'm not sure where, I came to believe that God could only use my utility. That to be loved by him, he needed to see some sort of return for his investment. So I became a zoologist and an Aggie. See, I felt like I had to put this childish, non-useful thing away, and I had to give up my refrigerator drawings and creative urges to become useful to him. So I was gonna get this zoology degree and go to veterinary school and then ultimately go serve people in Africa. That was the plan anyway. But my last year in school, something happened. I realized there was no way I was gonna make it into vet school, and part of me was actually pretty excited about that. I told my dad while we were out on this boat, yeah, I'm not gonna go to vet school, and right now, I really don't know what I wanna do. Maybe I should move to Hawaii and work at Starbucks there. I could see him loading an imaginary gun in his head, and I realized that being on a boat in the middle of the sea was probably the worst place I could have told him about these new plans. But I began to notice something. I began to pay attention to what I did now that I was bored. And as soon as I put off all these expectations of myself, drawing returned. And drawing led me to storyboarding, and storyboarding to filmmaking, and filmmaking to all kinds of creativity. And almost 10 years ago, I came to work at Gateway, helping create the video and art and the creative arc of our Sunday experiences. Creativity has become essential to everything I do. It has become essential to how I bear God's image. See. The irony of my story and the fact that I'm talking to you right now is that 
being a creative has less to do with working alongside artists and more about making the invisible visible. I love getting to use my creativity to point people toward the creator. And that's what I get to do here at Gateway. But guess what? That's what you get to do too. In talking to people though, I believe the misconception about creativity is that some people have it and some people don't. That if you're born with a creative spark and you can apply that to some sort of talent, then you become this phenomenon, this natural, as people call it. But I think that you have it or you don't mentality comes from our wonderment. When we see great creativity on display, we think, how did they do that? What did that take? Why can't I? Do that. And right about then is when we hear a little voice in the back of our head that says, because you're not creative, or you're not creative as they are. And that happens to all of us, even the most talented artist. It's just not true that you aren't creative. And not only is that not true, you were designed to be super creative. It's how you were wired and how you were created. You were created to be creative. So whether you're a mom, a banker, an HR rep, you have to break this mindset that we are not creative because God made us in his image. See, creativity shows up in the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, it all starts with creativity. The creator creates. And if you go back and read it, after each creative session, God stands back and he looks at what he created and he declares, it is good. Six times, God creates, and like an artist, he steps back from the canvas, and he looks, and he declares, it is good. Then, his last act of creation, he creates creatives. Those who, in his image, can bring the invisible into being like no other creature he has made. And notice, he says, it is very good after creating humans. So we are created in the imago Dei, the image of God. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. They were, and we are, his image bearers. And part of that is we carry forward his identity as a creative creator. We don't have problems with ideas like we represent God when we love others, or stand up for justice, or don't covet your neighbor's donkey. But we have a harder time owning up to the fact that it is in our essence, secular or Christian, that when we create, we are being creative and we are living out our function to bear his image as the most creative being in the universe. Just look at the diversity of animals. I know it's the inner zoologist still left in me, but we have only identified about 2 million different species and 10,000 new ones are discovered every year. The creator loves sharing new things he's imagined. There are 950,000 species of insect alone. And I know some of you are thinking, I wish he just would have stopped with one. One would have been good. Don't need any more. Billions of stars around billions of galaxies, some that look like eyes, some like butterflies. And butterflies, just think about the beauty emerging from the death of a worm, which is a creative parable to resurrection. Do you know that some of the most spectacularly colored fish have been at the depths no one could even see until recently? God created because God loves creativity. And I hope that's obvious to you. It could be an act of worship. It makes him smile. We need to have a new mindset though, a new definition to kind of demystify this word creativity, to open up and release our creative image given by God. 
We've made the definition of creative so narrow that only a few can qualify. In all my work with artists, with producers, musicians, painters, and filmmakers, all these creative types that I have seen, I would define creativity as our ability to divulge or share with others what we can imagine. I want you to hear that again. It is our ability to divulge or share with others what we can imagine. Do you get that? Do you understand what that means? It means that creativity doesn't belong to a select few. It means that all those artists I just mentioned, creativity doesn't belong to just them. It belongs to all of us. Because in my working with all of them, I would say that a few, while very talented artists, a very few were some of the least creative people I know. And others, like my wife, a stay-at-home mom with three little kids, she comes up with some of the most amazing creative ways for our kids to learn, to encounter and experience music, to learn and understand how money works and writing and to learn how to cook alongside of her and to do all that while still being a full-time grad student. She has to imagine and bring about all kinds of new ways for our family to function. Or another example, take Gateway's CFO, Sam. Sam is a QuickBooks wizard, y'all. She can sit down and whip into existence these elaborate, beautiful spreadsheets to help our board of directors make the best and wisest choices for this church. She is creative. Now, I wouldn't go as far as saying she is a creative accountant. A creative accounting is kind of a bad thing for business. But Sam, on the side, is also starting a new book that she's using as a creative outlet for herself. Do you realize that you were created to create? And creating can become an act of worship. That might sound weird, but it is true. So Phil, who owns the Lighthouse Takeout and Catering, he makes meals for church events here. And every time, the taste of what he creates is so amazing. Phil started following Jesus at Gateway, and when he cooks with the creativity he has inside of him, he's offering back to God all that he does as an act of worship. And you can do that with anything, even creating beautiful spreadsheets. And Betsy Lawson, one of her employees, created spectacular spreadsheets for her. And when she asked why she did this, the woman said it was an act of worship to God. And that ultimately led Betsy to faith. So look, look for where you are already creative. What are you imagining and bringing into existence to share with others? And turn that into an act of worship but then also stretch your creativity. Try something new and creative because that develops even more creativity. It is a gift anyone can put into practice. Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift given to you. We have to develop it. But I know it's not easy, it's really hard. And I talk to people all the time who are scared to start trying. Some of you right now, you might actually believe you are creative, but you might also be thinking at the same time, but what if I fail? See, we've bought into this lie that creative people never fail, and hence, failure is proof that we're not creative. But failure is required to grow creativity. A child's stick figure drawing is not failure, it's development. You would never expect a child to paint like Andy Warhol without developing first. So stop judging development as failure. You're, you're not failing. You're starting, and you're learning, and you're growing. And some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm waiting for inspiration to strike. American painter and photographer Chuck Close says, inspiration is for amateurs. Professionals, we just go to work in the morning. 
And the truth is that the more you create and the more you try, the more creative you can become. Waiting for lightning in a bottle is inspiration that rarely happens if you don't practice first. And others of you might be thinking, well, what if people don't like it? Jesus even warns us when we live connected to God and walk in God's way, he says, but I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Or Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And here's where following God sets us free to create. Don't create for people first, create for God first. Write that song as an act of worship. Photograph that landscape to marvel at what God has done. And then if people like it, great. But if they don't, it's still valuable because it's created by you. God's creation as an act of love to Him. Like when my kids create something, I don't look at it and go, well, you could get better. No, I hang it on the fridge, I put it up, and I celebrate what they've learned and how they're growing and how it gets better every time I see it. So I really wanna emphasize here that God has created you to take that imagination of yours and create a better future, to creatively create a better business with better practices, to creatively create a family environment where your marriage, where your kids can flourish and grow. You can take these ideas and inventions, the models and plans that are in your head, and if you partner with God, you can bring His image into this world. Because this world needs more of you and your unique creativity. All right, so you're looking at Justin, you're thinking, well, he's a creative. He's got a long beard. He's got arm tattoos. He doesn't even have pant legs that go all the way to his shoes. He doesn't even wear socks, right? Of course, he's a creative. He would, of course, talk about creativity. And there's no doubt that there are moments when the creative arts can connect our hearts to something bigger than ourselves. That's why we talk about how music can be transcendent. It's this idea. I mean, maybe you experienced it. You felt it during the songs that we were singing together, or maybe it was that last song that Tara sang, that last little run, it was transcendent. We got a glimpse of the image of God. But I, I hope you heard in, in Justin's talk that there's a, a woman named Betsy whose journey towards faith happened when she was talking to a coworker. And she said to her, why do you work so hard on these spreadsheets? And she responded with, it's an act of worship to God. And it made Betsy think, well, that's unusual. That's not what you normally hear. But it made her think, maybe there is more to what I rejected when it comes to faith. Could you imagine what if all of us did whatever we did in a way that pointed others towards the greatness, the creativity, and the beauty of God? I mean, this definition is, is so much easier to put into place, creativity, our ability to share with others what we can imagine. When it comes to this definition, how are you already being creative? Whether it's creating that environment at home or at work, or actually taking something that you imagine and, and bringing it into being. See, each of us has unique experiences, a unique story, unique 
talents that we can actually bring something to life that was just in our imagination. And in doing so, it can be an act of worship in our life. Listen to this passage in Colossians chapter three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Wherever you work, in your home, in your neighborhood, if we were to have that in mind, that not be segmented where there's, our faith is over here, it's, it's something we exercise for an hour on Sunday mornings, or maybe it's in that hour getting to Sunday mornings that we exercise our faith the most, especially on a time change Sunday, and it's cloudy and cold. But what if our faith permeated every aspect of our life, that we began to see how we live our life as a demonstration, as an act of worship? You know, one of the most creative people on the planet that I know is my wife, Deborah. She is just a, a wizard when it comes to, like, this gift of hospitality. We had a, a family over to our house along with our life group, and we hosted them for dessert. They're from Syria. They just moved here, I think it was four or five months ago. And I wanted to tell them. We were using Google Translate throughout the evening and, and literally, my wife created such a beautiful experience. I wanted to warn them that this is not normal. <laughs> Most Americans would not do what my wife just did. She's just so good at that. And the way she expresses her faith is so elegant and with such eloquence. In fact, I probably shouldn't tell you my secret. But if you've ever heard me ever say something profound, more than likely I heard it from my wife over coffee. And I, I want you to know that, that creativity is, is beyond what you might think it is. Now today, speaking to my wife, it's our 23rd anniversary. Hard to believe. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? There's a picture of us. I was either taller or thinner then. I can't, I can't tell from that picture. And I do have hair. And, uh, but I tell you, there's this beautiful thing she even shared with me just yesterday. I, I'd never heard this before. But there's a, a Messianic Jewish man that she was listening to who, a Messianic Jewish person is someone who is Jewish and follows Jesus. And she explained to me this, this amazing thing that I'd never heard. He said that every time we introduce ourselves, we're actually referencing the fact that we're created by God. We actually introduce ourselves by first mentioning God. Every time you say, I am Eric, you're actually saying God's name. You see, in the scriptures, there's this moment where Moses encounters the living God, the creator of the universe. And when he discovers that Moses' mission, when Moses discovers his mission is to free the people of Israel, he's anxious, he's worried, and he says to, to God, who should I tell them sent me? In other words, what is your name? And God's response was, I am. It's an unusual name. No one else I know has that name. But he was describing himself in this sense. He was, he is, and he always will be. God is the great I am. And then Jesus uses that exact same phrase in the New Testament. There's this moment where the religious leaders are coming after Jesus and they're accusing Jesus of doing these things 
miracles through the hands of evil. And they accuse him and, and ask him to explain where is he coming from. And he answers in the most unusual way. He tells them that he has come from the Father. And he says, I would be a liar like you, but I do know the Father. I do know God, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Well, the religious leaders were upset by this. You're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They knew exactly what he meant. He was declaring that the one who was and who is and who always will be was now walking on planet earth in the flesh. They picked up stones to stone him, but were unable in that moment. You see, he had not yet chosen. That was not the time to give his life. He would give his life willingly later on the cross. See, I am. Every time you introduce yourself, you're referencing that you are created by the creator. I am, whatever your name might be. Maybe another way to introduce yourself, instead of saying, I am Eric, I could just say, my name is Eric, created by God. <laughs> Maybe we should try that this week. Maybe not. Just an idea. But I want you to know, that also means anytime someone introduces themselves to you, they're reminding you that regardless of how they might be living their life or how they might be acting or whether or not you like them, they too are created in the image of God. We were created by a loving God to create, to be creative. Whatever that might be, it might be different for every single one of us, but we have the capacity to create something beautiful, to make the world a more beautiful place. We are created by the creator to create, and as we do, we're revealing something about the heart of God. In this moment, I want you to Consider that as we check this out. Strokes it make are poetry in their own right. They have no cause to turn from their meaning. Elegant they seem to appear to your eye. This art you see so vividly as poetry. The poet itself you can see. Clearly it has its place in the realm of creativity. This is not the only type of art you see. Our creator created us intentionally. Like himself, we were drawn. Like him, we were made. To be a kind of artist in our own right, with brushes and strings and voices beautiful, broken, messy, 
and too afraid to soak ourselves deep into the paint. To create is to give a piece of us away, a part. A part that will be limited only by us accepting our own limitations. To boldly embrace our full potential created in us. Are you creative? Be courageous. Ideas are born and refined in the fire of inevitable failure. It is a risky proposition, even for the stay-at-home mom who juggles activities, makes up clever acronyms to help with cognitive brain function, dances in perfect step as her skilled improvisation makes last-minute meals to feed her bride. Something out of nothing. The engineers who fits more power into less area to expand capabilities, making more creative dreams come true. Creativity is a child of risk and failure, and the moment we accept this failure as the given, as the constant, we in turn produce the power to shine that light in the darkness where fears find rest. There is a fingerprint. An impression from somewhere outside of us that rests upon our souls to express the unique beauty buried within. We are paintings, songs, and sculptured, made by a creator, created to create. We are each a prism. With uncommon angles designed to reflect a dazzling rainbow of colors from beyond, the power that breathed us into being trembles in hope that we too will lift our fingers, flex our minds. Will you study the world around you? Imitate design. Tara and Aaron Ojeda again. That was great. Beautiful. So what does it mean to be created to create, even as a community? What if we, working together, could bring about more beauty in this world around us? Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, those of us with faith, we become part of the church, the body of Christ. And we're not supposed to conform to culture. We're not supposed to emulate culture. We're supposed to create something more beautiful. See, and the problem is sometimes our imagination takes us in the wrong direction. So we're to renew our mind that our imagination captures the beauty that God intends for our lives and for the lives of other people. When the church decides to be who we were created to be, to bring beauty into this world through our acts of service, through our imagining ways that we can make this planet a better place, then we point others towards the one who created us. Paul goes on to write, verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. See, the moment we realize we need forgiveness from God, that we want Jesus to be our leader, we actually are adopted into his family and we become his representatives. We become together, collectively, the body of Christ. There was this moment when Jesus told his disciples that I'm going to be leaving you and this is actually good news and they didn't believe him. How could this be good news? You're here, God, with us. We don't want God away from us. And he explained, no, no, you don't understand that when I leave, and his departure included the cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, that after he left, that the Spirit of God would come to live within each of us who follows Jesus, and then he can be everywhere on this planet. Everywhere that we go, we take him with us. And it's inspired by, out of gratitude for what he's done for us that we create, that we serve, that we make this world a better place. I wanna just ask you in this moment, what is it that God is wanting you to create? Some of you are unbelievably creative when it comes to navigating relationships, when it comes to listening and communicating truth when it comes to writing or when it comes to creating a space where others feel welcomed. I wanna give you something that we don't usually get in life. That's just a moment of silence. And in that moment, I want you to just, in your imagination, connect your mind to God's mind. Just in a simple prayer, God, would you show me how you want me to create? In which areas of my life am I holding back how do you want me to better serve the world representing you? So in this moment, just a brief moment, just imagine and let God fill your imagination with what's on his heart for you. Heavenly Father, thank you that when you created us, 
some reason you said that we are very good. And God, we've lived in a broken and messed up world. And yet, God, you have offered to transform us from the inside, to bring us back to the beautiful ones that you created us to be, and to bring that beauty to everyone around us. So God, give us the courage to act, to serve, to create out of gratitude for what you've done for us. God, each one of us here, I pray, would experience the fullness of life and freedom that you offer through Jesus. Thank you that we were created in your image. Now may we represent you well everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we pray.